On today's episode of Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures, we talk about 10 cc's I'm not in love. And we bring you all of the numbers. 624 voices, 10-time guest host, and one wrong reading of the song. In 1570, Thomas Tallis wrote an incredible piece of music called Spem in Allium. I made up the pronunciation. I'm sure somebody might know it better. But I remember hearing this when I was at the Ottawa National Arts Centre. Yeah, this is the one where you could sit in the one room and listen to every individual voice or sit in the middle and listen to everything sort of come around. There was like 728 speakers or whatever it was. Yeah. Or, as we like to say uh, in the real world, 40 speakers. <laughs> Sorry. I was pretty close. <laughs> Sorry. I remember we were there together. Yeah, yeah, totally. It was So we would just go into this. It was like a chapel they had set up and you'd sit in yeah. and you would listen to all these sounds, just these voices coming in and out. Yeah. And you could just sit there. It was playing all day. So you could just sit in there and it kind of looped in. Yeah, it was pretty awesome, yeah. Yeah. So that got me thinking about today's song, which is 10 CCs, I'm Not In Love. Because I'm Not In Love, what they were trying to go for in the song was this giant choir of voices. And we're going to discuss how that ended up sounding, but it had me thinking about Thomas Tallis. And so, Frank, did you think I would open by talking about 1570s uh, pop banger? No, yeah, this is a, a bit of a surprise. I also didn't think you were going to take 15 minutes to describe Thomas Tallis's whatever song that was, but you know, here we are. All right, well, you do the first edit. Yeah, yeah, thanks. It's a really big moment here on our podcast. Because we also have a guest. That's right. We have Thomas Tallis himself. We have something even better. We have 10-time guest Dave Kitchen joining us. Great to be here, guys. Glad to be double digits. I feel very happy about that. I'm wondering, does this make me a friend of the show? Am I a friend of the show now? Because I'm acquaintances with a lot of people. I'm friends with some people, or at least I hope to be, but I've never been a friend to the show. Does this qualify? Do I get this? We'll see how the episode goes. All right. Because I would love to be a friend of the show. And hopefully that entitles me to like 10% on the back door as well, on the back end. Now, I'm I'm just figuring this out right now. 10 times, 10 cc. Was that deliberate? Oh my goodness. I never even thought about that. Look at us. We're just... <laughs> All sorts of, just just a bunch of guys hanging out, talking about general coincidences. This is fantastic. So 10CC, they um, are a band that came together, I think, in the late 60s, but it took until the early 70s to flesh out the original foursome. Yeah. Does that sound about right? Yeah. And they all came from, obviously, different sort of musical careers uh, beforehand. Eric Stewart, the sort of lead singer, not to be confused with our good friend, Eric Stewart. These are completely different people, which took me a a little time to to figure out when I was reading Wikipedia about the band. He was a songwriter and wrote songs for uh, Jeff Beck and stuff like that, which is kind of fantastic. And they are all singer-songwriters in their own right. So it's a pretty powerful foursome. Like These are all people who are strong in production, but in their own singing and also in their songwriting. So you have quite a super group there. You're not incorrect. They originally signed with a guy named Jonathan King, who actually came up before on our podcast because he did a version of Gloria in the oh, yeah. 70s. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you can also look up into the 
legal trouble he was in, which, you know, I, I don't want to even comment on. We don't need to bring that up. No. But when this album came out, they were able to leverage this to get out of their deal with him and sign with Polygram, I think. All right. So they start in the late 60s, kind of come together early 70s, sign with Peter King, drop Peter King, go to Polygram. So this is where we're at, right? Yeah, okay. that is. Unless you want to call Peter Jonathan, which was his name. Oh, Peter King was my history teacher. That's right. That's what I'm getting confused about. He was not a musician. The uh, I think the, the breakup of the band in 1976 was in the beginnings of the band too, because they didn't they work for a studio that, that focused solely on like bubblegum pop? Yeah. For a while. And so they were all in that. And then later, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but the band splits up because two members wanted to go a bit more prog rock and conceptual. And then Eric Stewart and the other guy just wanted to stay focus on the pop hits. Is that Would that be Graham Goldman? That's right. Because the other two guys, um, uh, Kevin Godley and Lowell Krem, Krem, C-R-E-M-E, Krem. I think that's French. So laugh out loud and cream. I was I had a tough time. Every time they said Lowell, I thought the guy was making a joke and I yeah. couldn't understand. <laughs> I never knew Lawrence and Lowell were um were like uh what do you call it when there's a nickname? I think it's called the nickname. I think it's a nickname. <laughs> so I was like laugh out loud is all I kept seeing, like, oh man, times have changed. Yeah. There's a member of the cure called Lawrence Tollhurst and they call him Lowell, Lowell. as well. Okay. So it's a thing. It must be a British thing. Lowell Toll? Lowell Toll, yeah. yeah. There we go. But uh, yeah, so Kevin and Lowell were uh, studio musicians beforehand, or session musicians. So I, th- I think that makes a little more sense that they would want to go perhaps more keeping, what's the word I'm looking You know, the, the, the street credit, the musical sort of artistry and all that other sort of fun stuff as opposed to the sort of commercial uh, route. I think the word you're looking for is real. They wanted to keep it real. Yeah, well, Maybe. They ended up going into video production. So Yeah, with, that's right. Um, they did a lot of videos. Yeah. So you look at uh, the Sting song. Is it Every Breath You Take? Might have been that, that they directed the video. So there's Was a it bunch Sting of or The Police? The Police. And this is our last podcast. This is, I, I'll this be going, is going This is just going swimmingly. <laughs> okay. Let's get out of this. And okay. So the story of the song begins with Eric Stewart going out for dinner, I think, with his wife. And she says to him, why don't you tell me you love me more? Like that he doesn't tell her enough that he loves her. They've been married for eight years at this point. This is like 1974. And so she says this to him and he had said, and he says in hindsight, he said, stupidly, I thought that saying I love you was too trite or something like that. So he tried to say other things, but then he would say to her, I don't love you. And then he'd say something else to prove his love more. So originally when he came up with this song, he was thinking it'd be a song where it says, I'm not in love. It means a lot more to me. It's the it's the first said, I loved you, but I lied. Yeah. <laughs> but he thought that seemed too, no offense, Michael Bolton, too typical, he felt. And he wanted something more. So it became, I'm not in love, where the guy's saying he's not in love, but he's clearly lying to himself. So this is said, I didn't love you, but I'm lying. Okay. Do you get what I'm saying? The logic's lost. I mean, there's okay. a Venn diagram yeah, yeah. of these songs somewhere. It's a bizarro Michael Bolton. Yeah. Right. The upside down world Michael Bolton. Yeah. Okay. I think I get it. So he brings this to Graham Goldman. Goldman yeah. Right? Goldman? Goldman. Or Goldman. You're right. Okay. Goldman. Goldman. He adds some extra things to it. it. Really does change up bridges and extra parts to it. And extra chords. This is all music language. I don't quite totally understand. Yeah. And then they bring it to the band, and it's a bossa nova song. Yeah, and they bring it to the band, and they're like, "Yeah, no, we're not doing this." It was inspired by "Girl from Ipanina," right? They were yeah. trying to get the same backbeat to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Congrats on using uh, terms you don't know as well. <laughs> I can I, I can throw up vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what's the name of the drummer? The drummer is Kevin. Yeah, Kevin uh, Kevin Godley. Kevin Godley was the one who was the hardest on it. And he said it was crap and to just toss it. And and because they're like a democratic band, they're like, okay. And they worked on some other song. But then it turns out that people in the studio had heard them working on it. And Eric would go around and he would hear people singing, I'm not in love, like the bossa version. And he realized it was a thing. So it came back to them. And then Kevin's like, all right, if we're going to do it, it's got to be totally different. And then he said, I think it should just all be voices. 
no music, just voices. Yeah, because while I was looking at the uh, personnel on on this just to confirm, there is no drummer on this. It's all just synthesizer and and, uh, guitar and all that other sort of fun stuff and, and piano and vocals. Tons and tons. Tons of, of vocals. vocals. And it's time to talk about those vocals. So, we had a slight disagreement here. Frank said 256 voices. I said that there were 256 vocal dubs that were required for to complete the lush harmonies behind Eric Stewart's vocals. And I said that because I read it directly off an interweb page. I have 624. Dave, how many do you have? I think we got to meet in the middle. What's the difference? Six. Yeah, what's the average? What's the middle of wrong and right? It's right. 624 voices. So there might be overdubs, but there's 624 voices. And let me tell you how I know. Today, I was finally able to get Ashley to explain to me a musical term. And it was the chromatic scale. Which is a... Have you heard of the chromatic scale? Yeah, but I have no idea what the color wheel has to do with with music so if you take a look at piano keys and let you go from middle c to c let's say so you count all those keys there you have c and then you have c sharp and then you have d and then you have d sharp then you had e f f sharp a a sharp b and then you go back to c again now there's some disagreement i guess Usually they say chromatic scale is those 12, those 12 semitones, they call it. Question. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How is that different from like doe, a deer, a female deer? Because it brings you back to doe. Yeah, but you the get end. the flats. Yeah. The flats and the sharps. That's right. So doe and ray would be a full tone, but when you go in between at the sharp or the flat, it's a semitone. So, so it's halfway between doe and ray, it's like a doe ray? It's a... <laughs> Yeah, I try. I did that with Ash, and then she started just singing it, and then I was losing what she was talking about. It sounded great, but I wasn't quite catching it. But these are semitones, and you go up there. And so if you're going from left to right, you would call them sharps. But if you go backwards, you would go with the flats. Learn that today, too. But I, I'm getting lost in this. They went through the chromatic scale, and they all did their ahs. On each of these. So they say, okay. we're going to do ah uh, for the C. And then they they each sang it. The three of them each sang it. Okay. And for each of their voices, the other three. So not Eric Stewart, but the other three. Because I believe Eric Stewart is the primary vocalist. Yes, yep. So the other three, they get looped together or, or overlaid on top of each other. Not looped, overlaid 16 times for each note. So that and How many for, notes are there? There are 13 notes, 13 semitones. And... For each of those, there's 48 voices because it's 16 times 3. So 16 times 3 times 13 is? 256. I will go to 10-time Dave Kitsch. 624. There we go. 624. The math is wrong. So three hours into this podcast. This isn't math. This is music, and it's all about feel and not about logic. Okay. So you have your dubs, but I got my voices, and we got 624. So if they were to get an art installation at the Ottawa Art Gallery, they'd have to get 624 speakers to do this justice. Which is probably why they didn't have um, the 10cc version. It's like, oh, I guess we'll just have to do Talus instead. Yeah. How many voices do you have to take away from that number so the song stops sounding like there's a mosquito repellent hiss in the back? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, this is it. That hiss is always there because they put a piece of tape on the board where they had all the voices. And so all of them, all four of them are in there and each of them have three sliders to work with the sounds of the voices. But this tape keeps it from going down to zero. So throughout the whole song is always a hiss of voice. So yeah, the voices never leave the entire time. So Ashley, as I was explaining it to her, and she's getting annoyed with me because I was getting things wrong about musical terms and notes and no well i also started filling in blanks and making things up which is fair chat gpt does this so she said so basically it's just a synthesizer of voices that's how a synthesizer works like i yeah 
but it's pretty cool. 1975, and they yeah. so they made their own synthesizer of voices. And so when you hear the song, they're just moving those sliders up and down to make it do the ba 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 ba. And it's it's really uh, ethereal. Like oh it has this like really kind of freaky, spooky kind of feel about it, right? Yeah. And I guess that's a great way to describe it. Spooky. Yeah. When you were a kid, do you remember the first time you heard this? Uh, no. Do you remember the first time you felt this? Let's go differently on that, Frank. When was the first time you felt this? I don't remember. Tell me how you feel when you hear this. I feel like I'm being sung to by 624 sexy ghosts. <laughs> Kitch, how about you? Do you remember it? it doesn't need, you don't need to remember the first time because Frank's already ruined that part of my uh, attempt to yeah. talk about this. It is powerful. It's powerful and, it's, and it is that ethereal thing. It's and it's used there are certain times where where it crescendos up and then they cut it at, at really like effective ways. But it's one of those things that's like Jurassic Park. Like just because you have the technology doesn't mean you should necessarily use it. It's kind of like you're you're watching. Are you saying that Steven Spielberg shouldn't have made Jurassic Park? Is that what I'm getting from this? <laughs> yeah, you should have stopped at Jaws. <laughs> but it's like watching a movie with like the original Mario in it, where it's like, it was great for its time and ahead of its time at when it was done. But it just, I don't know. There's, there's something about it where it, I just hear the hiss and I can't get it out of my head a little bit. Now, now you, you brought this song to us as, as the, the song you wanted to do. Correct? I know I did. I love the song, but it is that like it's, it, and it's not just this song. It's, it's so many songs from that era um, where they're just, it's the new sound, right? So they're experimenting with it, but it's it just doesn't age well. Um, but it's this it's a small detail. It's just just the voices, and there are times where it's really powerful. But at the very beginning, when it comes on, just like, am I listening to this on a cassette? Like, kind of has that sound to it. Yeah, it opens with that hiss. Yeah. For my part, I remember knowing the song that it must have been played on AC radio, and I was just discussing our show's concept to somebody. And basically, it would be if you were in a dentist or doctor's office in the 80s or 90s, you know these songs because they are already a part of your life, whether you wanted to or not. The monoculture brought it to you. Yeah. And so we choose to embrace a lot of this music and celebrate it, but these are the songs we do. So I feel like I'm not in love has always been there. And so sometime when I had a fever, when I was four, I probably heard it in a doctor's office. Yeah. And you know, maybe that was the first time getting a tooth drilled out or something. And the the dentist drill reminds, or the, the those, uh, that hiss and those voices Wee! remind me of a dentist drill. <laughs> great. We've gone marathon, man. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> this really took a left turn here. That's a good call about the doctor's office though, because those were the places that you heard it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean- I guess kids have it better now because they have devices and stuff like that. But you had to wait. You yeah. had to wait and you were a victim or or a consumer of the monoculture, like you said. There should be mixtapes from the 80s called The Doctor's the Office. The Doctor's Office. Right? Like, it's, it's a real thing. I, I think it's called Richard Marks' uh, discography. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that if I had a fever... And the song came on, just those voices moving up and down the scales would heal it. It'd be so, like a soothing balm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it is. There's a, a genre, and it's kind of like, it's definitely soft rock of the late 70s and early 80s for me. And then there's a bit of yacht rock in there as well. But there, it is that that childhood experience and that's why the song i think resonates with me yeah hits or no hiss the song is a great song yeah there are two versions of this song so this the story goes that when record execs heard this song before the album would come out mm -hmm. they signed 10cc and threw a ton of money at them saying that this is it yeah but then when the album comes out they said oh the song's too long so instead of i'm not in love 
they put in the equally meaningful Life as a Minestrone as the debut single, which did well in UK. I don't think US or Canada really got the joke. I don't think I even know the song. No. 10CC has a lot of good songs. If yeah. you, I don't know if you listen to any of the other stuff, but it's like, they're quite good and eclectic. Yeah. But um, they just were hesitant to put out the song but then people were demanding it like major record execs from other record companies were writing in saying you have to put this song out and so their record company said it was too long and so they wanted it cut to like four minutes or under four minutes and they couldn't figure out what to do but then they were able to cut it way back so this four minute version is released in the u.s and canada and I don't think it was released in UK and the rest of the world. Okay. And it did well. But what ended up happening was the people rejected the four-minute version. They wanted the six-minute version. So as it moved up the charts, instead of playing the three-minute and 42-second version, they moved to the six-minute version once it started to get higher and higher. Oh, okay. So now they're playing a six-minute song, and everyone wants to hear this song. Oh, wow. So that's the sort of story of the attempt at, you know taking out these how i mean imagine if you listen to it i mean at that last minute is the sort of um voices moving back and forth yeah, but you yeah. want to be in that that's the that's the whole point mm -hmm. well it just sort of wraps around you like it, it's i know we said it's it's ethereal and, and it's spooky and everything but it it also just swallows you up when when you listen to it, it it's it hits you from all sides and if you go back to that time in mid 70s there's no sound like it no. Yeah. Right? So nobody had ever experienced the voice synth. So it's pretty groundbreaking. And this comes out just before, I think, Bohemian Rhapsody. So they oh, said okay. there's two songs that come out around the same type of time, not connected to each other, but using these voices in ways that were inventive and never done. Yeah. Not really done since in the same sort of way. Mm -hmm. No one's ever pulled something like this off because it's insane to spend three weeks just recording Oz, which yeah. was three weeks of Oz. That's that's bonkers. Yeah, and then they would just lie down in the studio and listen to what they had done. So they're so dedicated to the craft of this that at the end of it, even though they didn't think they had a major hit, they knew it was really good, but they just kind of luxuriated in the sound. Yeah. Is that a word? Yeah, and I want us to now luxuriate in this song. So we're talking about the song. Yeah, we are. The lyrics? Oh, I want to just start at the, those opening notes. Oh, okay. Those opening notes remind me of Billy Joel. And I, yes! they remind me because he took this song and he used it in, I think, is it Always a Woman? No, uh, it's uh, Just the Way You Are. Exactly. And so that's where he got the idea for it. That's exactly what I was thinking. But I had no idea that there was a connection that he actually uh, took that music and, and used it. Because it has that same sort of uh, really synthy sound and... <laughs> Did you ever have like a keyboard growing up and you had the uh, the pre-programmed, there's the bossa nova and the swing and, and the tango and all the, those different, but there was one, there was a synth, like there was a program sound and it, it was always just the way you are by Billy Joel, at, le <laughs> at least the, the one that my sister had. And just like, this is my favorite one because it's the only thing that I actually recognize as real as music. And it opens with that hiss, like. Kitch had said earlier, like, it, it does feel like someone hit play on a tape, which makes it of its time, mm -hmm. which is a thing I really like about these songs, too. I, I, I always I bring that up a lot, but I like being placed in that time. So once that hiss starts, I know I'm, it's something real, right? Like, it, it, and it's, uh, but then when you realize that hiss isn't like a tape hiss, those are voices. Yeah. It's, it's just a really cool. It's pretty neat. Um thing to be a part of as a listener. Kitch, could you take us through that opening verse? It says, I'm not in love, so don't forget it. It's just a silly phase I'm going through. And just because I call you up, don't get me wrong. Don't think you've got it made. I'm not in love. No, no. It's because... It's just a silly phase I'm going through And just because I call you up 
you think he's talking about there? <laughs> you went Jiminy Flick on that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> There's that 10cc anger we keep hearing about. Is he in love with her? No. Oh, see, I think he is in love with her. I don't think so. Oh, okay. I read that too. I read that that he's he he kept he's it was like a thought experiment where if he kept saying "I love you," the the mere repetition of it would lessen the whole yeah, thing, yeah. right? So yeah. I get that, but I don't see that in the I so I don't know if in the in the evolution of the song maybe that he just kind of shifted so far away from that that um, I don't know. That that he he's no longer saying it. Like I get his original intent, but this just seems pretty stark. Well, yeah, I don't I don't I don't see the clever kind of winking that is necessary for this no, to come back no. on itself. Yeah, I, and Ten CC is a clever winking band. If you had heard like Dreadlock Holiday, I, yeah, it's it's a thing in itself. But uh, this, it's definitely stark, and he's angry, but it's somebody who is to me who is broken up with somebody and he's telling her he's not in love where everyone else is like, you're totally in love, right? I mean, he has that line, it's just a silly phase I'm going through, right? But I mean, mm-hmm. what? so what is that? He goes, I'm not in love, so don't forget it. And then you kind of work through all that just because I call you up, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't. I'm not in love, no, no, no. And then you have that last line, it's because... With, it's like a sentence. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. What do you? It's because is that from the just because of everything? But it, there's all these reasons why mm-hmm. it looks like he's in love. Yeah, he's saying I'm not in love. So my my very surface reading of this is especially the uh, and just because I call you up, don't get me wrong. Don't think you've got it made. That's a booty call. That's all it is to me. It's it's a booty call line. Wow, I, I am shocked at this reading that I'm hearing here. I. Uh, I thought I was just my reading was the uh, the one everyone agreed with. Now I'm well, not I'm not terribly educated, and the way that lyrics are written, I'm not always a hundred percent sure what they represent. No, I I get there, that that idea that he's calling means that he likes her, or else you wouldn't call, right? So I, maybe that is that the thing you're you're looking at, like yeah, I th- I think she broke up with him, and I think he's still calling her. And he's saying, "I'm not in love. Don't don't think. I think there's something to that. I mean, he's putting all this on her, kind of saying, "I'm not. I I know you think that I'm in love. I'm not in love. But I didn't want to go to your party anyway. Yeah, right? is that that? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, well, it's going to come up. More things will come up. Yeah, and and again, this is maybe. Yeah, maybe I'm looking at it from from a different way. The second verse mm-hmm. is a. Uh, it kind of reinforces kind of my thinking of all it. Right, well, let's go there. So, I like to see you, but then again, that doesn't mean you mean that much to me. So, if I call you, don't make a fuss. Don't tell your friends about the two of us. I'm not in love. No, no. It's because. I like to see you, but then again, that doesn't mean you mean that much to me. She's a moped to him. That's all she is. <laughs> That's a, wow. Wait a second. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. So a moped is, they're fun, but you never want your friends to catch you with one. That the whole, the whole line of don't tell your friends about the two of us. This is like, this is a download. You're not in love. If, if you're not willing to tell your friends about the girl that you're seeing, or you don't want the girl that you're hanging around with to tell her friends about you. That's not love. But That's she, moped. But he's telling her, "Don't tell your friends." Yeah, exactly. But he's—it's not about him not telling his friends. But he's like, "Don't, don't, don't say anything about me because I'm not in love." Where, if I may quote William Shakespeare, quoting Hamlet's mommy, "The lady doth protest too much," and I'd say, "Eric Stewart doth protest too much." I'm not in love. No, 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 no. And I'm it's not in the love. second time that he's called her in two stanzas. Yeah. 
to say that I don't want to talk to you. I still think it's a booty call song. All right. Well, I, I, I'm torn. I'm I'm totally in the middle of this yeah. debate right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, I see it from both sides. Well, we're gonna definitely get there. So, okay, fair enough with your reading. Although I must say I'm not happy with this moped reference. I uh, that will be dealt with I, I in our next I, staff meeting. We do not say we do not use the term mopeds for other human beings, but that is fine. Frank Pearson. I think it's a good metaphor. I'm going to call your mom after the podcast just to let her know, and she'll let you know, but you did. It's okay. My mom doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> she doesn't understand how to get it on her radio. All right. So it is a fascinating song because the chorus feels kind of non-existent. It's just, yeah. I'm not in love. No, no. It's because. And that's sort of, that's it, right? Yeah. It works, though. There's so much about the song that works when it doesn't seem to play by the rules. But this leads to that first kind of break, where I think this is where it's kind of the weird kind of bass solo. But it's a mo- it might be a Moog bass solo, because apparently on the Moog synthesizer, they put the, the, bass, the bass and yeah. even the drum beat is in there, too. And this is where we get the iconic line. Be quiet. Big boys don't cry. Big boys don't cry. Ready for the next line? Big boys don't cry. Big boys don't cry. Big boys don't cry. Stop looking at me when you say that. Big boys don't cry. And big boys don't use the term moped. <laughs> Fine. I'm not a big boy. I'm not so, a big boy. But, but I use the term moped and I cry a lot. I like how he'd rather walk back his entire masculinity than admit that moped's not a great line. <laughs> Okay, now it's a, a woman's voice. Yeah, saying we should talk about the uh, the the woman's the voice. whole. Yeah, we got to talk about the woman's voice, and we also I need to remind myself that songs are not short stories, and I get lost and what's the narrative here, and doesn't fit logically. It's like no, there there sometimes they are pictures that are to evoke a feeling, and it doesn't need to follow some sort of progression. However. For the sake of me winning this argument, I'm going to stick to it. But before we go into the whole meaning behind this, why don't we talk about how this comes about? A well-placed secretary with a mellifluous voice, I guess. I don't know. It was yeah. They came up with this interlude, bridge. I don't know what you'd call this in the middle of the song. And, uh, and then just everybody seemed unanimous that it had to be this secretary that was in the studio, which borrowing from Gary Goldman's bit has to be named Dottie because it was the seventies. I just imagine her like primping her perm saying like, okay, boys, put me in. I'll sing your stupid little line for yeah. you. you know? <laughs> Cause they have the big boys don't cry. Lowell had sang it or said it into a mic on the grand piano to either check the mic or do something. And for some reason, no one knows why, he just said, big boys don't cry, into the mic. Mm -hmm. And when they heard it, they said, we need to put that into the song. So this is coming in, I think this is the last thing they put in the song. So I know I argue for a narrative structure, but this is the last thing that goes in there. And they knew they needed a voice. And she comes in. Her name is? Her name is Kathy Redfern. So she comes in and whispers, Eric, there's a call for you. And then they said, that's the voice. And they went out to find her. And she's like, no way. I'm not going in. And apparently, according to certain interviews, like, oh, we coaxed her. But one thing I heard is that that one of them picked her up and carried her into the studio. Oh, wow. <laughs> Despite her protestations. You're worried about Frank saying moped. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's, right. that's way more of an HR nightmare. <laughs> exactly. But she went in there and they they coached her into doing the vocal where they're saying, You're, you, you don't need to sing it. You just need to whisper just this. Need to whisper. And it's perfect. It is perfect. It's just perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. That's, I know you want that to be a sexy ghost. It's a sexy, sexy ghost. 
Just so you know, Frank's tied up. We had to drag him in here to whisper that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so big boys don't cry. Why is someone telling him that big boys don't cry? Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier and it's pulling me into Team Hauser right now because, because it, well, we haven't even got to the next. Oh, yeah, baby. Next, but, but the, you, you know, know, there's Kitch, a lot of stuff that's happening. You know, Kid, that I, doesn't I, have I can, to happen. I can, I can veto you coming on for an 11th visit. There's you know no that, 11th. right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going down swinging though. But yeah, the next stanza, there's a, a yet another example of him doing something that he doesn't need to do and then kind of doing that kind of false modesty where it's like, nah, no, I'm this isn't real. Then why are you doing it, 10CC? Eric Stewart, why are you doing it? Hey, why are you crying? Big boys don't cry. If if this works as a, like a full structure, try to imagine those first two verses as messy crying. <laughs> <laughs> and then it means like I don't I, I was just gonna try to read it as though I was crying. I'm gonna try. Okay, we'll see what we do. <laughs> I'm not in love, so don't forget it. It's just this it's just a silly <laughs> phase I'm going through. And just just because I call you up, don't get me wrong. Don't think you got it made. I'm not in love. No, no. I'd like to see you, but then again, it doesn't mean that much to me. So if I call you, don't make a fuss, don't tell your friends about the two of us, because I'm not in love. How do you like you that? You can do that for anything. I haven't seen 2010 Bill Hauser in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard to dig. I dug deep, but I'm going to have to talk about that with my therapist yeah. later to try to push it back down. Okay. I don't know. Maybe you can read it that way. But again, I'm all about surface. I do not get deep about anything. I still contend that the first two verses are booty call verses. All right. Let's go surface on the third verse. I keep your picture upon the wall. It hides a nasty stain that's lying there. So don't you ask me to give it back. I know you know it doesn't mean that much to me. I'm not in love. No, no. It's because. I keep your picture upon the wall. It hides a nasty stain that's lying there. So don't you ask me. So he just wants to talk about this picture of her that he's got on his wall. Yeah, and it serves a purpose for covering up a nasty stain. Why does he have a picture of her? Maybe it's just the right size to cover up that nasty stain. It's 1975. He doesn't have a picture of like Elton John or The Who or something no. like that. He's got it, his ex-girlfriend's picture up yeah, there. Yeah, it's 1975, which means the picture was taken with one of those old cameras. Possibly one of those ones that when you take the picture, the entire flash breaks. <laughs> <laughs> you have to stay still for like a minute and a half. <laughs> this is 1870. <laughs> <laughs> so you take the picture it's probably not a great one our eyes might be half closed because you never knew until you got the thing back from the you know the, the blacks or whatever three weeks later whether you know of the 24 pictures whether you had three or four good ones so they framed it put it up on the wall and it's still there and he's telling her he's not in love it's like but you were together and you have a picture of her and it's up on the wall it's like it just hides a nasty stain yeah so I'm not giving it back. I'm not giving your picture back to you, even oh, though I then could. Then he has put, to look at a nasty stain. Or he wants to do that. Or a picture of Elton John, I guess. All right. So uh, you're ready to? Are you ready to walk away from your nope. assertion? Okay. Well, we get to go to either bridge two or bridge proper. Because Big Boys Don't Cry is kind of like a bridge or it's some sort of interlude, but this is the bridge. Yeah. And this is what Graham uh, Goulman brought to the table. He brought this part where he says, ooh, you'll wait a long time for me. You'll wait a long time. And then repeats that. 
what are we thinking here? I I love this part. Of oh the yeah, song. It's, yeah. A, it's a great part of the song. Yeah. My my again my my knee jerk surface reading of this is just like yeah you're gonna wait a long time for me because you might be in love but I'm not in love. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So guess you're swinging my way again. Um, Come around to my way of thinking. Yeah, that's a strong point, Frank. I like how you said that was zero conviction in your voice. <laughs> the listeners should know that Frank is holding up a sign saying that is a strong point, Frank, <laughs> and making me read it. Yeah, it's it's got a different musical tone. Like it just comes in. I guess I guess all bridges do. I guess that's what a bridge does. But it's it definitely has. Wait, a, you're waiting till now to tell us this? <laughs> We've asked you nine other times what a bridge is. <laughs> I still don't know what a bridge is. I just say it because it's whenever, because usually there's a part in the song that just takes on a different flavor. And I think this is it. But it's got like a definite um, yacht rock kind of feel to it. It kind of reminds me of Benny and the Jets. It's kind of got the same sound as Benny and the Jets does. And then it goes right back into the other thing. But uh, but yeah, it's a it's a it's the best part of the song for me. And. You'll wait a long time for me. I know where you're going at, Frank. I'm thinking he's putting that on her as the guy who puts her picture on the wall, doesn't want it, and then he says, like, you're going to wait a long time for me. I mean, there's clearly he's calling her or whatever, but he's telling her what he's doing, right? He says, oh, you're going to wait a long time for me. I'm like, everything's clear. You're waiting for her. You're not in love, and you're telling everyone around you. And it's the friends who all put their heads in their hands as he's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in love with her at all. And talking about it and then saying to her, you're going to wait a long time for me. Now that might be a stretch. Yeah, um, it is. That Frank might think that. I would love to hear from our listeners. I would really love to get messages sent through whatever we social would love media. one person to yeah. comment and on. And just to say, song. you know, be kind when you disagree with Frank or me, but especially about Frank. 624 sexy ghosts agree with me. Let us know what you think the meaning is of the song. Um, and then we get to that last verse, which I think is just repeating. It's just the, the first. first verse again, yeah. But does it means something different now going back to that first thing when you hear it like do you believe like you you're still holding to it and to me when i hear it like it might be a silly phase but you're you're stuck that moped's not getting out of the ditch okay see now you're swaying me a little bit now i'm thinking about it just because just the feel of the song because the song is like really melancholy and and sad so (sighs) thank you I like my version of it better, though. For the guy to be a sad bastard, he has to be <laughs> be in the dumps. Yeah. And he loves this woman. I think everyone listening can understand both sides. And to be that person who's lying to themselves is like a deep truth that it's hard to come to grips with. You've been reading my diary, haven't you? <laughs> well, it is a blog that you put online. So, yes, I have. <laughs> Who knew you're the only one still using MySpace? Way to go. (laughs) So if I could recap the argument, Frank sees it on a very superficial level that he doesn't love her. Bill has gone full, full depth reading. He was crying the first two verses. The photograph, her eyes are half closed because it was taken in 1975. And And most uh, people had half closed eyes in 1975. (laughs) It was it was this weird time when just people just did not open their eyes. Yeah. Well, they you know, the UV hole, the hole in the ozone was massive yeah. back then. I mean, you couldn't look in the sun. But yeah, so it's um no, you know what? The more I think about it, I I do think that it's it's him not willing to admit. And and I don't know if we have time for a quick story, but a friend of mine that I used to work with once told me that back in the 80s, they rented Star Wars and it was this big neighborhood thing. All the neighborhood kids were coming over to see it. And his brother um, waited and we had to go to the bathroom, I guess, and waited, didn't want to miss the movie. And then didn't make it to the bathroom in time and had an accident. But then in true five-year-old fashion, just pretended like nothing happened and came back and the mom found it. And had to send him home because he was dirty. And he stood at the door in a dramatic moment and just turned and said, I didn't want to watch Star Wars anyway. <laughs> and walked out. <laughs> and I think about that every time when somebody has these kind of emotions. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the great subtitle for this episode. I didn't want to watch Star Wars anyways. anyways yeah. <laughs> so favorite part of the song, 
Well, I guess we've we've gone over this about the bridge, but Frank, is there something about the song that you take away that's like you'd say, this is what I love about this song? Well, there's the bridge, but then there's uh, throughout the song, there's when they're they're messing around with the faders, and just that bouncing, ah, 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 like mm-hmm. that, that stuff is just, I don't know, that just feels cool to me. Sounds like a boat horn or something to me, almost. I feel like I'm out on sea and I hear, like, oh, no, those are those are voices. Well, thanks for trivializing one of my favorite parts of the song. I appreciate that. You've already you've already discredited my my reading of the lyrics and, uh, and now just my my one of my favorite parts. That's no, that's cool. Whatever. I love boats, though. I grew up next to the canal. Why don't you marry a boat? You love it so much. Kitch, what about you? Favorite part? I think it's the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the way he sings vowels. <laughs> so okay. I know it's very specific, but he says, I'm not in love. I like how he adds a, a syllable. Yeah. And then when he gets to the bridge, which we all love, it's you'll wait a long time where he adds a I to time. Yeah, I just yeah. like what he does and how he sings these. The British glottal stop, right? Yeah. It's where you create the, the two vowel. I don't, right. they, they, they stop the word in the back of their throat. Right. Oh, I know the Scottish do that when they say, we'll see you later. Right. No T. So he'll wait a long time. So <laughs> That was the worst Scottish accent I've ever heard. <laughs> no. And you're Scottish. I know. It's awful. I lost it somewhere along the way. I yeah. lost a lot of things along the way. Well, I mean, to be fair, you've only visited Scotland three times. So. Yeah, that's true. There are two music videos. So I don't, you've each seen one of the videos. There's one where it's just him singing at a piano, and it mm-hmm. feels like pretty much one sh- long shot. Yeah. And then there's another one where... He's also singing a piano, but they have a little more artistry going on. It looks like they're in a lounge. He's singing, and then they show the other three guys kind of singing together, and then they go back to him. Yeah, I, that that's the one that I've seen. Yeah, I love that. That's the one I like the best, but each of them are about either four minutes or under, and there's some like abrupt cuts Yeah, in, that don't work. And I, I, I could see why you'd want that six-minute version. Now let me tell you about the YouTube comments that I read oh, right. on these videos. So I feel this might be a future category to revisit. Alan Dickinson, 3357, wrote this three months ago. It's about denial. Of course he's in love. He keeps her picture after all. He's Alan's not, wrong. He's not telling her. He's telling himself alone. It took me years to figure this out. Having eventually trying to lie to myself about the same thing. Musically, a masterpiece. Lyrically, a great lesson. One of the best songs ever written. And anyone's top 10. And then, of course, you get lots of replies. 441 people. Replied to the... Well, they liked what he had to say. Oh, okay. And then underneath it, Jackson Danielson, 4323, had this to say. Do you have to have numbers as a YouTube name or no? I don't know. I, I don't think I did. Oh, Okay. What an amazing song, an amazing time to be a teenager or young adult. And this is my favorite part. Something has gone terribly wrong with the world since then. <laughs> so, oh, man. Well, I, I don't know. This song is about a guy saying he's not in love. It's super depressing. Yeah. It was like, something's gone wrong with the world. Is he angry about the Rihanna performance at the Super Bowl? Yeah. Mean, <laughs> okay. All right. It's a different time. I just love that he thinks... So much is wrong with the world, where it's that classic monoculture of we all love this song. Yeah. And now music is terrible. Yeah. Everything's terrible, but it was great in 1975. There was another great YouTube comment where um, someone said that she was at the beach and they just had like a... Did they have ghetto blasters back then in 1975? I don't... It must have been in their cars or something. Yeah. But she said it was playing, but then every car or every everywhere they had a radio was all playing the same song so all along the beach you could hear this song playing so you hear the voices but the voices are coming out of every radio along the beach wouldn't it be amazing if there were 624 wait 624 voices by 20 30 cars 
Don't yeah, do this to me. What's the math on that? <laughs> Infinite voices. Infinite voices. Well, this is it. Voice upon voice, wave upon wave. And at the beach. Well, when I hear this, like, so when you mentioned the part that you Because liked, there's waves at the beach. Well, you mentioned the thing and I said- yeah, like, let me explain what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm going to explain to you the boat horn thing is that when I hear it, I think about myself going out on the water, especially before the big boys don't cry part. I think about the water just kind of moving up and down and you're on a boat moving out. And then you hear the- <laughs> Are you sure? That's a Moog, isn't it? It sounds like, it sounds a little more like a moped horn. Either way, I feel like those voices are just waves of sound, but like waves of water crashing over you. But I know you said it before being enveloped in a good way, but I feel like you're drowning in this sort of sorrow of these voices as you're sinking under the weight of unrequited love. Do we need to have an intervention for you, Bill? I think we I'm, do. I'm worried. <laughs> I'm just going back to 2010 Bill. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way things used to be when, when nobody used to drown in the voices, you know. Yeah. <laughs> World's gone so downhill. <laughs> Can we go back to that first comment, though? The guy posted three months ago, and he said he just figured it out. In my mind, I've got this guy hunched over a desk, just covered in crumpled pieces of paper all over the floor. He's moving tanks and cannons over maps on his table, just trying to figure everything out. How long has this guy been working on this song? He's got to be at least 55 years old. There's oh no my question. goodness. It's like a beautiful mind. He's just got all yeah. these Quasion equations and everything floating vision. around. <laughs> Are we ready for some categories? Yeah. This song is fantastic. It yeah. yields oh, some great absolutely. categories. Now, I know you said Michael Bolton might not need to be here. And I sometimes feel like we don't need to talk about Michael Bolton in every podcast. However, I want you to picture this. Michael Bolton goes in the studio. They yeah. said, hey, Michael Bolton, do you know about the chromatic scale? Do I know about the chromatic scale? He knows about the chromatic scale. They said, all right, Michael. Why did he sound like Jerry Seinfeld there for a second? <laughs> I don't know. I was going to try to do a Michael Bolton impression. Yeah. But then I just did my Scottish Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> so he sings every note of the chromatic scale. Mm -hmm. And then they make 16 times three. I don't know why I had to make it that. 48 Michael Bolton's on each semitone. And then they put it on fretboard or whatever it is they're doing. Yeah. And now you have Michael Bolton's You voice. mean like a like a soundboard? Yeah. I think a fretboard's on like a oh, yeah. guitar thing. Oh, that's right. So it's called a soundboard. So think about a Michael Bolton board of 624. I don't think there's one big enough that can handle No, it. there is. And it's in Ferris Bueller's uh, bedroom. Oh, yeah. And, but instead of throw-up sounds, it's just Michael Bolton singing and he just does his thing now what happens if we did a michael bolton i'm not in love i think it betrays the michael bolton paradox already of saying i loved you but i lied yeah or it is the bizarro world this or the even better the stranger things world that kitch it's alluded the upside to upside down this is the upside down michael bolton so if michael bolton sings this he has to have like a, a goatee on yeah yeah to separate him from the good michael bolton. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah yeah. this is evil michael bolton yeah yeah okay Michael Bolton category, check. Check. All right. I can imagine this being at a high school dance in 1975. Like, to me, this feels like if I were to try to picture what it would be like to be at a dance in 1975, this six-minute song would be like a perfect song yeah. to be dancing to. Yeah. I know it gets weird and the big boys don't cry. And, you know, the, the I, High school solo. dances are nothing but weird. So yeah. It, it suits. But it would be great. Yeah. And if they could get away with Stairway to Heaven as the closing song for all those years. Yeah. Which is a ridiculous song to dance with somebody to. Oh, Because it's goodness. two songs. It's, you know, so this at least holds a thread all the way, sort of rhythmically anyway. So you could dance, start the dance, and end the dance in the exact same way. How great would this be to dance with someone who's your unrequited love or the girl who broke up with you but has moved on? but you're dancing with her anyways and this song is on and you're feeling all those awful feels while dancing with her. She might as well be 10 million miles away, but she's right next to you. No, that would feel terrible if I understood what the song was actually about. I want you to feel those waves envelop you and pull you I'm under. Drowning. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. But there's something about this type of music that uh, it's, it's good. You want to be there. You want to feel yeah, all just, the feels. Yeah, yeah, you just want to be there and just... Yeah. Let let your lungs fill up with sadness. Yeah. 
your heart is full and sad, your eyes are half closed. Yeah. And somebody takes that. a picture of you in that moment. Yeah. And you just leave that dance on your moped. <laughs> meep, meep. <laughs> Hallmark movie? Oh, it's the saddest Hallmark movie ever now. Yeah. I mean, this isn't the end of the Hallmark movie. This it doesn't feels... matter. That's just too sad. I want you to picture Quint from Jaws. <laughs> Because all the sounds of his horns are all the voices. But a Hallmark movie by the sea in this. I know I got a water thing going on here. Yeah, but this this can only be the second act. Yeah. The third act has to, I mean, the, to Hall, redemption. the Hallmark network work would explode if we just ended it like this. Yeah. It, it, could, it would cease to exist. How perfect would it be that if this song is in the second act, how many acts are there in a Hallmark movie? They don't go five. Three acts. <laughs> Three acts. The third act has said, I loved you, but I lied. Yeah, okay. But this would be... Um, I'm not in love. I'm not in love. Yeah. Or they'd fall back in love and then the closer is it's tongue in cheek. He's, you know, the the final thing is like, oh yeah, and they get together and they're very secure in their love, and then, then he's able to say, huh, I'm not in love. Remember that silliness? You know, yeah, they're they're yeah. comfortable enough to joke about it, yeah. and that's the closing line. Yeah, and then um, Double Denim Bolton shows up to end it at the square dance in the barn by the sea. By the by sea. The, sea. <laughs> <laughs> the barn is on the boat. <laughs> Yeah, we lost a lot of great cows. <laughs> Wait, oh, I just got this great idea of like a, a manatee rancher because they're they're sea cows, right? <laughs> Hallmark again. You know where to find us. Check our socials. Mixtape. Yes, Mr. Kitchen, you have a mixtape. I'm ready. All right. Yeah. Let's go. This is the most evolved I've ever been for this category. Um, and I have two. I have a list of songs that kind of sound the same, but then I have a list of anti-love songs gotcha. as well. Okay. So the, although I, now that I'm looking at it, one could go either way. So these are the songs that are kind of in the same universe as this song. Uh, if You Leave Me Now by Chicago. Uh, I Want to Know What Love Is foreigner which could be in the other one because this guy doesn't quite seem to know what love is and then baker street oh okay by uh jerry rafferty jerry rafferty although my autocorrect says gerrymandering fafferty is what <laughs> now that i'm looking at it right here <laughs> gerrymandering fafferty and then of course boys don't cry by the cure oh, okay and then holding back the years by simply red those those songs are all kind of in the same category but then the anti-love song, of course, and, and remembering the time frame as well. Should I Stay or Should I Go by The Clash, Tainted Love by Soft Cell, Every Breath You Take by The Police, and All Out of Love by Air Supply. Oh, okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. That gives ideas for future episodes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you got a mix? Too? I do. All right. I do. I only have three. Okay. Do you want to go ahead, though? No, ahead? in case I take all three of yours. Okay. So I went with songs that use the studio or use sound to make some inventive things. So I just have three songs. I have Heroes and Villains by the Beach Boys, mm -hmm. which to me is one of those kind of strange songs that uses voices, interestingly. Next, I have Fleetwood Mac's Big Love, which comes off the Tango in the Night album, mm -hmm. where Lindsey Buckingham played with voices in a similar way on the soundboard and would make like his voice become a female voice. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he played with that. And then I end with a song that's actually live. So it's not a studio creation in the same sort of sense. Bobby McFerrin's Thinking About Your Body, where it's him just singing and sounding like it's several people. Oh, sounding like 624 people oh, to be exact. <laughs> but he is unbelievable. Yeah, how, what he can do with his voice. Oh, yeah. So yeah, 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 he's yeah. he's the guy who is the soundboard. There's my three. Okay, mine are just songs that have a similar feel. So I already we already talked about uh, just the way you are by Billy Joel, "Baby Come Back" by Player, "Reeling in the Years" Steely Dan has that sort of jazzy bluesy feel about it, right? No, it doesn't. No. But yes, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'd really love to see you tonight by England Dan and oh, I uh, love John that. Oh, I'm sorry for interrupting, but yeah. I love one is I love that song too. Yeah. I love that. Could you say the name of that band again? 
England Dan and John Ford M. Colley. They have so many different songs too, and they have the most boring name ever. Yeah. You gotta check out some of the album Is covers. Is it Colley or I don't even know. I just know England Dan as yeah. a name. I just I they kept coming up on my mixes. Yeah, yeah. Uh What a Fool Believes by the Doobie Brothers. Yes. And then closing it off with Without You by Harry Nilsson. Oh, good one. Well, this is a solid mixtape. All right. Somebody please press like when you open it up on Spotify through our show notes, which will be under this word, mixtape. Are we going to try this chromatic scale? Uh, yes, we're going to try this chromatic scale. This is a special thing. Now, at, you know, at the end of the recording of this song, Kevin the drummer, who said so many awful things about the song, actually got inventive. They got him a, a little uh, recorder of a children's rhyme. It was on a little recorder, and he held it over top of the drum kit so that the drum mics could hear it. And so at the very end, you hear this music box going. And it's this little music box that they got the secretary to buy for them. And then he held it above. So in honor of that, I have this music Fisher-Price box, which I... it's Okay, good. We are going to try to recreate our own wall of voices by, uh, by singing into our mics one at a time. So give you a C. Uh, Kitch. That was terrible. Can I get that again? Uh, uh, uh. All right, next up. Uh, uh, uh. So, this is our attempt at our own chromatic scale here. Yeah, there it is. Fantastic. And I think we got an appreciation why three weeks in the studio compared to three minutes on Audacity isn't quite the same. We want to thank Dave Kitchen for coming back for actually being on this podcast 10 times. This is a thank you times 10 for we've had great moments, great times, and many more great times to come now that you're officially friend of the podcast, which we'll put on our wall of fame on the side here. Of course, we're not even in the Winchester, but besides that, metaphorically, symbolically, your name is now in the new heights of our podcast. It's a great feeling. 10 visits times three times 48 mm-hmm. i think that's 624 visits so something I'm, like that i'm very happy yeah. thank you for having me it's amazing that you had so many visits on only 85 episodes 624 visits it's it's a, the, it, i, I like know, the way the math works the, it boggles the mind sometimes yes. but you just got to go with it we always go for feeling we don't go for fact yeah whatever yeah. whatever that means yes so and speaking of that and i know that my initial reading of the song was sort of lambasted and skewered, and I was called out to be wrong. And there is a sadness about that that I have to endure. But I'm going to tell you, dear listeners, that I can handle the criticism. I can handle being wrong. And I'm just going to let you all know that big boys don't cry. But I do. Thank you for listening to Bill and Frank's and occasionally Dave Kitchen's Guilt-Free Pleasures.
we're like page and plant right now i think so yeah you know he's playing the guitar we're doing the vocals <laughs> we are simpatico 